Here we are, the second Sunday of Advent, uh, 2021. We're thinking of the overall theme of the unsearchable mystery, the mystery of God bridging the gap, if you like, from heaven to earth, the point of intersection where God meets us in Jesus. So it's a brand new time. This is a Genesis we looked at last week. A birth of Christ is a Genesis. So it's a new beginning. It's not the same old old. It's not business as usual or business as normal. This is a new work of God in our world uh, where God takes the initiative to bridge the chasm between the heavens and the earth. So it's a wonderful season, hence the unsearchable mystery. Last week we looked at the story through the lens of Joseph. Um, focusing on the text from Matthew 1, 18, 25. Today, we're into Luke, and, and now it's through the uh, lens, really, of Mary, but our primary character today is Simeon. So it reminds us that the story of, of, of Advent, the story of Christmas, is indeed a story for all generations. We've made this point before over the years. It's not just for children. It's for every age, every epoch, every season of life, Christmas seems to have a, a way of speaking to our hearts and our minds, at least at some level. So last week we thought of Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus child, young parents, Mary would be quite young at this point. And we contrast that today to the story of Simeon and Anna, if we had time, but here we now have the older generation, quite old. But the story of Advent continues to speak to them, and it speaks to us. Whatever age we are at here at Weston Park Baptist Church or wherever you're listening from, God speaks to us, to our hearts, no matter the age. Always the opportunity for something new, something more, something fresh as God works in our lives. So with that in mind, we, we begin our text. We read from uh, Luke 2. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, or to the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, we'll stop there for now, verses 25 to 28, then we'll pick it up. So the, the story we know pretty well, it's, Jesus has been born. Um, they seem to go back to Nazareth, back home, be with family. And then six weeks later, they make their way back to Jerusalem. And it's, it's to present Christ, the baby, as the newborn child to the Lord. The firstborn male was to be offered to the Lord. Remember Hannah offering Samuel to the Lord. And normally, in a sense, you... you you gave a gift to the temple and then that freed that obligation and you carry on with your lives. So Mary and Joseph with Christ, they come to the temple, they're going to uh, 
make this offering. And they, it, we're told in the story that they make the offering of two turtle doves. And that's interesting because it was the poor who made this offering. Others would give a lamb, a goat, they would give something more value. Here, because the parents, the family are poor, they offer the, the minimum, and the minimum is what they could afford to turtle doves. So it reminds us that Jesus comes into our world in the perspective and in the reality of poverty, of poor people who are struggling to just make it. And so here we, we see them making the, the minimum offer to turtle doves. And so Jesus in solidarity with the poor, in solidarity with the working person, folk like all of us in our church here at Weston Park, you know, it's, it's, you're just trying, you know, really to get by generally, save somewhat, it, but it's tight, it's tight. And, and that's the world that Christ came into as well, even as an adult, he worked, carpenter shop, it was day-to-day -day kinds of work. So he isn't born, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> in a palace. He is born in a manger. And so God in Christ, in solidarity with the poor, the poor of the planet Earth, that's who Jesus comes to. And so as they are there, we're told that Simeon then, who is a, an older gentleman, who is a prophet, uh, comes and uh, sees what is going on and begins to praise God, takes Jesus in his arms and, and gives praise to God for what God is doing in this child. And so Simeon then, we're told, is righteous, who is devout. <clears throat> he is led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, on three occasions here. It's emphasized, 25, 26, 27. The Spirit is leading Simeon. And Simeon lives in hope. He has been told by the Lord that he would see the Messiah, the Christ. Christ is Messiah, the Greek of the word Messiah. He would see the Messiah before he passed away. And so Simeon lives in this hope that the consolation of Israel would take place, the comfort of Israel would take place. And so I, th I think that's interesting because Simeon is, is aware you know, he's in the temple and he is aware, he lives with awareness, not distraction. He's able to focus and he sees something different happening here and he perceives, he has insight, he sees into the reality that God is doing sp something special in this family. And so even as we just approach the, the story, we, we are reminded that the time of the incarnation, the time of Advent is to pay attention. It is to watch. It is to reflect. It is a contemplative season. It is not a time of consumerism. It's, it's not about rushing around buying things. That's not the point. It often becomes the point. Just a time of stress and hurry. And if we fall into that, we're missing the opportunity to pay attention, to live with awareness, and see what God is doing, this unsearchable mystery that we began last week. And so Simeon models this kind of attention, of insight, 
being reflective, and, and that's a model for us. Can we learn from Simeon here? Even as we are just beginning, really, Advent season, these weeks of Advent, can we create time in our schedules to pause and to reflect, even if it's only five or six minutes a day, to really pause and reflect on this season, pay attention, see what kind of genesis will take place in your life, my life, our lives in this season. So that's really how the story begins. That Simeon has this great hope, and it's a hope in a reality from God that the Messiah will come. So it's a hope in the Lord. And it's not just a desire that something will happen. It's not just aspirational you know, whims. It's something that is substantive. And we are encouraged to allow that kind of hope to fill our lives and not live with pessimism, not to live with sadness, not to live with those hues in our life, but to recognize that God is doing something in the world and in our lives, your life personally, that can give us a sense of confidence and a sense of hope. Simeon, an older person, is modeling that for us. So then he begins his statement of praise or prayer, and it reads like this, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The canticle of Simeon is known as the Nunc Dimittis. Now I depart. The Latin text begins with Nunc Dimittis. Now I depart. So it's a canticle. It's a song of Simeon reflecting someone who's tied into the Kairos moment to be receptive, who is aware, and then he starts to praise God. And then a number of themes uh, come to the front here for us. First is that of peace or shalom. You are dismissing your servant in peace. Peace is arene, the Greek translates shalom. You are dismissing your servant in shalom. You told me that I would see the Messiah before I passed away, and now I am holding the Messiah. I am living in peace. I am living in trust rather than mistrust. This is a basic need for us as humans to live in trust rather than mistrust. Trust in God rather than doubting God. That, that's, we need that if we're going to be healthy individuals. So to know the rest and tranquility of God, his care for us, not shalom as just an absence of violence, but a a sense of well-being that God is there for you and for me. And I think that makes an incredible difference if we can live with a sense of shalom. We don't always have to be looking over our shoulder to see what's behind me or what's coming up the line. I, I can... I can trust, I can rest. There are going to be hassles for sure, but I I sense peace in God. Part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Irene. So Simeon begins then, and he talks about shalom. Has that. Advent is is a season of peace. Secondly, it's a season of salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Remember last week we talked about Jesus there are two names for the child, one Jesus, which is, means Savior. God saves us. 
The other is Emmanuel, God is with us. So it's the reality that God breaks into our world to save us. We, we heard Merton say that. He does something for us that we cannot do ourselves. You and I, we have our, our own brokenness, our own fragility, our own weakness. We have that. And there is this chasm between us, humanity, and God and his divinity. We can't bridge that on our own. No matter how well we live our lives, we cannot bridge that in our own effort. God has to do something on our behalf to bridge that gap. What's, what's the bridge? And the bridge is Jesus. Jesus becomes the bridge for us to know God. That, that's the reality, and that's called salvation. And we may not use that language. We may not use the sin language, but we know in our own hearts there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of stuff that gets in the way, and that just is there and somehow it needs to be dealt with. And God deals with that. It has to be dealt with. If we don't deal with it here, we'll deal it with on the other side. It has to be dealt with. You can't run from it. You can't say, oh, I'll just finish things now. I'll be at peace. <laughs> you won't be at peace. If you have it here, you're gonna have it there. The refining fire has to do its work, and it will do its work. And so we, we need to have that sin dealt with, and that happens through Jesus. And that's why there's so much talk about salvation. Luke uses that word over and over. Jesus is our Savior. It deals with all the crap. He deals with it. salvation. Inclusion, you have prepared in the presence of all peoples this. Simeon praises God. It's a revelation to the Gentiles. Notice that in verse 32. It's a universal work. It is beyond any barriers or fences that we may build. It is the wideness of God's mercy. It is about inclusion. So even in Simeon's song, it is not just a song for Israel. It is a song for the entire world. We are mentioned in that psalm. We are part of the Gentiles, the nations, the ethnos. So God's work on our behalf, and, it, and it's a wideness to this mercy that the psalmists talk about. Wherever we draw the lines, God's mercy is always beyond those lines. We think, well, God will save up to this point, this point, this point, this point, but not beyond that point. That, that's just too much. It's always beyond even that point. That's what the psalmist means in the statement, the wideness of God's mercy. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that's often interpreted as if that's an exclusive statement. It's not an exclusive statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life for everyone. Jesus says, I am walking the way. Join with me on the way, and we will know life. And so it's, it's an invitation to everyone to be on the way, to walk on the way. So it is meant to be a spirit of inclusion here when it talks about a revelation to the Gentiles. If, if it was exclusive, then they would just say a revelation to Israel. It's specifically not that. So it is an inclusive statement. 
Then we carry on with his song, then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And so fourthly, we see some resistance. The child is destined, note, for the falling and rising of many. The child becomes a crisis point. And this crisis point is both a challenge and an opportunity. It's there for you and for me. We can say yes or we can say no. So many people in Jesus' day said no. Herod, I mean the greatest, Herod opposes Jesus. Herod wants to kill the infant Jesus. So there is resistance. There is this dark thread to Advent. It's, it's part of the story. It's not all light. And even as Herod, in reality, in, in his physical being, opposed, so do we at times become Herod. There's the Herod in us. There's the resistance in us where we only look at our own gain, what, what we want, as opposed to what others want. As long as I get ahead, it doesn't matter about the rest. If I do well, my family does well, then, then that, that's all I'm care, I care about. Well, no. Advent is about saying yes and not saying no, not to building barriers and fences and just protecting our own stuff. So you need to hear that, I need to hear that. Where are we showing resistance, displaying resistance in our own lives? Where are we saying no rather than yes? Yes, I want to know you this far, but I don't want to give up this, whatever this might be. And then fifthly, pain. The angel says to Mary, the thoughts of many will be revealed. The thoughts, the hearts, people's sin, people's weakness, their own fragility, pain. And then specifically, the angel says, a sword will pierce your soul, too. A sword will pierce your heart. And so Advent is about the element of pain. There is an element of suffering. The Holy Family soon flee, flee Bethlehem to run for their lives as Herod chases them, flee to Egypt. Jesus knew a lot of pain. And so there, you know, there is a mystery, and of course that's a paradox in life, that there is this mixture of happiness and pain. It both goes together. And we have to drink from both of those cups. So can we say yes even to our pain? Because it's often in our pain that we actually can grow more. That's where the refining takes place. So a paradox, but true. Pain leads us deeper to live with more clarity. We don't really want it at all, but it's there. So these thoughts, I think, bubble up in this story, the unsearchable mystery of Christ. So as we come to an end, what does that mean? Well, Simeon holds Christ in his arms. 
Simeon holds the baby Jesus in his arms and in that sense there is a way in which we also hold Jesus in our arms. So we are invited to protect Christ, to care for Christ, to be with Christ. Do, do we show concern for Jesus? So it's not always him holding us, but we also hold him. He falls on the way to Golgotha. The man comes along and picks up the cross and carries it for a while. Will, will we do that? Will we help out? So how do we, how do we nurture the baby Jesus in our lives? Good question. How do we become humble and poor in spirit like Jesus? Do we value the same values of Jesus? Secondly, as Mary experienced pain, we've already said that a sword will also at times pierce our own heart. So Paul says, I want to know Christ, and I also want to share in his suffering. So pain will be there. We have to pass through it in our own journey of faith. And then finally, the, the church is also the bride of Christ. We as people of God collectively are the bride of Christ. So in a, there's a sense in which Simeon holds us up. As he holds Jesus up, he holds his bride up. And we are that bride, personally and collectively. So it, it raises the question, well, what, what kind of gift am I? What do I offer to the Godhead in my life? How do I say thanks for the gift of salvation? How do, how do you and I, how do we do that? How do we... Shine for Jesus, be a light for Jesus. So all of these themes, that's part of the unsearchable mystery. Through the lens of Joseph, through the lens of Mary, this work of the incarnation for you and for me, which can become so foundational in our lives if we hold on to it and build into it. And I pray that in these days of Advent that you will say yes, that you will go deeper with Jesus deeper in this crazy, lovely, wonderful, unsurpassing mystery of Jesus Christ, bridging the gap between earth and heaven, this intersection point. May we say yes in Jesus' name. Amen.